Love hearing that ring out, how he loves us. And he does, and we're going to be reminded of his love in a powerful way this morning through the Word. And so if you have your Bibles, we are in John chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 1 this morning. And our theme in the Word is the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd. So a couple Saturdays ago, I was at my house working on my computer and just kind of working away, and all of a sudden this screen popped up. It took over my entire screen. I'd never seen anything like it before. Uh, And so this screen popped up and essentially said, your computer uh, is disabled. Uh, Your computer has been compromised. If you uh, if you need to work on, or if you need to, to, uh, to remedy this situation, contact tech support at this number. And they put a number on there and, and I have a Microsoft computer that had the Microsoft logo, like everything looked legitimate, had never seen anything like this before. And so I called the number and as I called the number, there was someone on the other line and they were super well-spoken, like super on top of things and told them what was going on and said, oh yes, I'm so sorry that this has happened. Uh, hang with us. We can get you right back to work. He said, now to begin, I'm going to need you to download this, uh, to download this, this program. And that will allow me access to your computer to show you kind of the remedy, the situation. And so, um, at this point I'm like, okay. And so I go in and I get this program and he, and, and I just want to say, I see laughter and I see nodding heads and you know where this is going, right? And so, so I, I call the number and, and get the program. They're like, okay, so now you see that I now have access to your computer. Uh, Mr. Brooks, I'm sorry to make you aware, but your computer has been compromised. Uh, every device that has been connected to your, uh, to your network is now compromised and has been compromised and said, now whomever might find a way to infiltrate your computer now has access to all of your passwords, all of your account information, credit card, bank, like whatever you have somewhere online, it is now accessible to anyone who would have the knowledge to be able to get it. And I'm starting to put, like, I'm connecting dots now at this moment. Because he says, he says, your network has gone bad. Your network has been infiltrated. And, and I, I got, I called because my computer isn't working, not because my network has been infiltrated. And so he's telling me that, that, that my, my network is down, but I have my phone beside me and it's on my network and my phone's working just fine. And I'm like, I'm, I'm putting all the pieces together and you've seen movies about this stuff. I'm like, this, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And, and I'm, I'm finally discernment is kicking in and I just, sir, I need you to stop right now what you're doing. <laughs> I need you to stop right now. I want you to stop what you're doing. I want, I want off of this conversation and I want you to stop what you're doing. And, and it like, we always look at situations like in hindsight, it's 2020. Like in that moment, I just wish I would have been like, and sir, I work for the FBI and we know where you're at and we're like coming for you right now. But, but that would be a lie and we're not supposed to do that. So, so I couldn't do that, but, but you still want to every once in a while. But but long story short, he is, as we're getting on the phone and I'm telling him, I want off, I want off. He's like, sir, do you understand? He's like, your, your, your information is compromised. Um, we, your, your network is shut down. You're not going to be able to work anymore from your computer. I said, I just want, I want off of this conversation. I want you to stop what you're doing. And, and I got off the phone. 
And then I quickly called someone who many of you know, and I will not share his name because he may become all of your tech support, you know, when those problems come up, and just walked me through, uh, basically, uh, yeah, he's like, it's, it was absolutely a scam. And, and so we were able to kind of get it all worked out and everything. But here's, here's what, maybe you've been there. Here's, I felt violated. Like, I, I just felt, I felt, I felt used I felt like here's this like expert, smooth talker, had all the information, all the answers. You'll notice this. It'll say this. You see this. This is what's happening. And, and, and through his deception had basically brought me to this place where until he said the moment for only a small charge, we can remedy this situation. I was, that's when I was like, hold on, what, what charge? He's like, yes, only for a charge of $199. And I was like, no, stop, stop. And here's what happened was up to that point, he knew everything. He knew the way in, he knew the lingo, he knew the language and got me to this point where all I need is this information and was just another couple minute phone call from him having whatever he wanted and and he was a thief he was a thief and so deceptive and just kind of came in my guard was down and I was like I like to think I'm kind of like discerning of that but I was I was caught off guard and so here's why I share that story is because in our text today we are going to be reminded that there is a thief that there is an enemy and he has only one purpose and that is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But we are also reminded that the, 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 the star of Scripture, the hero of Scripture, is Christ, and He's the Good Shepherd. And He, in this passage, is going to allow us to see clearly and even obviously that there is a thief that comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but He has come that we may have life and have it to the full. The Bible describes the enemy as the deceiver, as the father of lies. He will do everything he can. He's an expert and will do all he can to stop at nothing else than our destruction. But Christ is the good shepherd leading his sheep, loving his sheep, protecting his sheep, sacrificing for his sheep. Ultimately revealing he is the good shepherd. And so our main idea of this passage today is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And he loves and cares for his sheep. Now this is John chapter 10 verse 1 where we're starting. This is, this is just a, a continuation of what has been happening in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, Jesus brings physical healing, physical sight to a man who had been born, born blind. He was a blind beggar. That was his life. Christ sees him. He pursues him. He brings healing to him. The end of John chapter 9, you see him being brought before the religious leaders. And, 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 and just prior to that, Christ, after he is pushed down and pushed out, kicked out, Christ pursues him, finds him reveals who he is to this blind beggar. And this blind beggar places his faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for his salvation. And what we see is just as God is doing a great work in this formerly blind beggar's life, there is the enemy also trying to do a great work, doing everything he can 
It's a good reminder that Christ has come to give life and life abundantly. It's also a sobering thing to remember that there is an enemy who's trying only to steal and to kill and destroy. The enemy will use every weapon in his arsenal to fan the flame and feed pride, discouragement, spiritual blindness, depression, drugs, seduction, secret addiction. He will do everything he can to destroy you. And we've said it, if, you, if you've been around church, maybe you've grown up there, you've probably somewhere along the way heard God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, which is absolutely true. But there's also a truth that we don't say as much, and that is that God has a plan for your life, and so does the enemy. The enemy has a plan for your life. And he would love nothing more than to steal from you, and to kill from you, and to destroy you. This is his desire. This is his, this is his goal. So just as this formerly blind beggar has not just received physical sight, but has spiritual sight, he's received Christ as his Lord. The religious leaders push him down and push him out. Jesus seeks him out, finds him, brings him in and lifts him up. We see that in the midst of that great miracle of salvation, we see the Pharisees and religious leaders are right there in the mix and they're doing everything they can to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so what we see is Jesus is going to give a teaching, a powerful teaching moment with these religious leaders. And it's the same religious leaders that had just pushed down and pushed out this formerly blind Brother, And so as Christ is the good shepherd, we're going to see three things, three observations of the good shepherd. The first is that he is the good shepherd. He is our leader. He is our leader. Look at John chapter 10, verse one. And the Bible says this truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus giving a powerful illustration, something that would connect with the listeners and connect with those who he's having this conversation with. Shepherding is not something that I'm thinking that we're super like clued in on. Like I've spent the majority of my life in North Mississippi. I haven't been riding through the North Mississippi hills and just be like, oh, look, a shepherd and sheep. That's cool. I've never seen that. Never seen that. But in this culture at this time, you, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. And so he's speaking in a way that's going to connect with them. And I love that Jesus is connecting with his listeners. And he speaks about a couple different people and a place in the story. And so let's just get our bearings a bit. I want to introduce us to the sheepfold. Because he says in verse 1 that I say to you, he who enters does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way. So the sheepfold, what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold is where sheep are kept. So I brought a picture to show what this actually looks like. In that setting, in that place, it's an enclosure. It's made of rocks. And if you look closely, there's one opening. There's one door. There's one way in. There's one way out. This is where over the night, through the night, the sheep would gather there and it would be, they would gather in the sheepfold right there. And also through scripture, we know that people are referred to as sheep, but specifically the, the people of Israel 
are known as the flock of God. And so as Jesus is using this teaching illustration, he's referring to the sheep that are in the sheepfold as those who are in Judaism, the, the Israelites. And so he's, he's, he's teaching again on the hills of healing the blind beggar. The blind beggar would have been one of the sheepfold, one of the sheep in the sheepfold of Judaism. And then also we're introduced to the thief. We're introduced to the robber. As we read through this passage, they'll also be known as a false shepherd or a hired under shepherd who cares nothing for the sheep. In the story, the illustration, Jesus is communicating the thief, the robber, the hired hand, the, the false shepherd. These are the religious leaders. As he's talking with them face to face. These are the religious leaders. And then there is the shepherd in the story. The shepherd. The shepherd represents Christ and he is the good shepherd. And so in John chapter 10, verse 3, the shepherd, as it relates to the good shepherd, verse 3 says to him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. So a shepherd would lead their sheep. They would lead them out in the day. They would lead them. Maybe Psalm 23 might be ringing in your ears a little bit. Lead them to green pastures. Lead them to still waters as they are thirsty. Care for them. Lead them. Guide them. But ultimately at the end of the day, the shepherd would lead the sheep to that sheepfold. And in the more populated areas, that might be a hired out hand that would be there at the door. But he would lead the sheep. This would be like a communal area. So other flocks would be there as well. And so when the next day came around and the sheep came back, the sheep would speak and the sheep would hear their shepherd's voice because every single one of us have a voice. You have an inflection, you have a tone in the South. Many of us have an accent like it's it's there like we hear, we hear and we know we know someone's voice. That's why growing up, if we ever wandered away from our mom or our dad, like in Walmart, trying to look at the toy section, it didn't take long before we heard. For me, it was William J. And when I heard William J, that's my first name, by the way, William. I only heard it when I was in trouble. I hear that tone. I hear that inflection. I hear that accent. That's my mom's voice. That's my mama's voice. And so the shepherd would come and he would speak. And a shepherd would hear their voice and they would come. Now look, listen about this setting and what has just happened in John chapter 9. This formerly blind beggar was living in the sheepfold of Judaism. The religious leaders did everything they could to push him down and to push him out as a thief would. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of man, as he refers to himself, walks right through the front door of Judaism. He is fulfilled 330 specific prophecies. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the only one who has the power to forgive sin and make one right with God. And where does Jesus come? He comes to the front door. He comes to the temple and he meets this blind beggar where he is. And what happens? Jesus reveals who he is. The formerly blind beggar places his faith and trust in Christ and who he is. And what does Christ do? He leads them through the only door there is out of the sheepfold of Judaism into placing his faith and trust in him into a life giving relationship with Jesus. And what does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd leads their sheep. 
leads their sheep. Verse four says, and when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. I love how the good shepherd leads. That's what a good shepherd does. He's in front. He goes before his sheep. Psalm 23, I I mentioned it a moment ago, but The King David says this, Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love Proverbs three, verse five through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. He leads the way. He makes our path straight. I love Psalm 119, 105. The Lord is a lamp into my feet, a light to my path. What does the light do? The light leads. And this is what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd goes before. How many of us have prayed, God, go before me. God, before me. Jesus is the good shepherd. He goes before his sheep. He goes before his people. And as we align our lives with him and his spirit's leading and his word, he will lead us. He will lead us in a, that life-giving relationship. But all of us, the Bible says, are sheep. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way. All of us could testify of those moments when we understand God's design. And we understand God's call and what God has said. But we as sheep have, have determined that we know a better way. And so we depart from God's design. And when we do that, it leads every single time to brokenness. I wonder how many of us in the room right now could testify of those moments in our life where we departed from God's way because we wanted to go our way. And when we did, we got stuck. We got trapped. We landed in a broken spot. So all through the Bible, the Bible refers to people as sheep. The sheep are helpless. Sheep are defenseless. They're prone to wonder. And I think I can say it here, and we're among friends here, but sheep are known as being just stupid animals. <laughs> like they're known as stupid. And so I, want, I brought a video, and maybe you've seen it, but I think it, it portrays the life of a sheep when they go their own way. So I, wanna, I want us to watch this real quick. When I saw this, I literally watched it over and over and over and over. And so we just have to watch it one more time. Okay. So, so let's, let's, I'll do kind of some like play by play. All right. Since we're, we're, we're back in the football season, right? We've got the the analyst. I'm going to analyze this. Okay. Let's show the video one, one more time. Oh no, I'm good. Like I'm totally good. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm stuck. Just help me out. God, help me out a little bit. I promise I'll do better. I promise I'll do better. Oh, I'm free. I'm going to go do my own thing. Here I go. Boom. Stuck again. Stuck again. Why the sheep, the sheep wonder sheep go their own way. We find ourselves in these areas of stuckness and brokenness, but it's because we went our own way. Sheep desperately need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Verse five, the Bible says a stranger, a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. I heard about a story and I was told it was true. 
But in Australia, shepherding is very much a, a thriving uh, vocation still. And so a shepherd was accused of stealing somebody else's sheep. And so they went to court over it. And so the, 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 the one who is the plaintiff who's bringing the charge was there. And then the defendant, the one who was accused of stealing sheep came and they brought him to the courtroom and they did all the courtroom, uh, you know, thing. They cross examine, question, call witnesses, still no answer. And yet the judge said, there's one more witness that we need to call to the stand. Anybody want to guess the sheep? The sheep, so they, they brought the sheep into the courtroom. And they brought the sheep into the courtroom. And the judge said to the plaintiff, the one who was bringing the accusation, they said, I want you to go out of the courtroom, take a left down this hallway, and I want you to call out to the sheep. And so the plaintiff went out and went around, and the plaintiff called for the sheep. Only the sheep didn't move a muscle. They stayed right where they were. The judge says, okay, plaintiff, come back in. Defendant, the one who's been accused of stealing, I want you to go out of the hallway, take a left, and do what you know to do. And the defendant went out and he called to the sheep. And guess what happened? There they go, trotting out the court, <laughs> hanging a left to their shepherd. Why? Here's what the judge said. Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And so this formerly blind becker, he knew the shepherd's voice and he followed him. That is the most identifiable marker of a follower of Christ is that they follow Christ. In verse six, the Bible says the figure of speech Jesus used with them, but did not, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So they're, they're, they're not connecting the dots initially with what's going on. And so Jesus is going to continue the conversation. And so where we do see that Jesus is the good shepherd and he leads us, he leads his sheep. We also see that Jesus is the door. He's the door. He is our protector. In verse seven, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door. So I want us to go back. I want to show that sheepfold picture one more time. And I want us to see this visual that would connect to the listeners that Jesus is speaking to. This sheepfold, this enclosed area has one way in and one way out. A lot like this gym, the way we've been using it. One way in, one way out. There's one way in, there's one way out. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the door. Why in the world would Jesus say the door? Is because he is the protector. And in that night watch, when the predators will make their attempts, the good shepherd will sit at the door and will fill that space so that no one or nothing can get to his sheep. That if you're going to get to his sheep, there's only one way to get to him. And the only way you can get through him is to go through Christ, the good shepherd. I love this picture of our protector, our defender. King David was a shepherd. We have different Things that come in mind when we think of shepherd. But I want us to think about what King David said to, uh, this was before he was king. He was the shepherd boy. What the shepherd boy David said to King Saul. And here's what he said. As, as king, as not yet King David, wanted to go, go get a Goliath. 
He wanted to go get Goliath. And so he's having a conversation with King Saul. And here's what David said to Saul. He said, your servant in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. I love the picture of this courageous, bold shepherd that when predators attack, not yet King David says, I grab them by their beard and I strike them and I take my sheep. And so here's some practical encouragement for all of us who are of the sheepfold of the good shepherd. And that is this. And I believe this with all of my heart because of what the word teaches. There is absolutely nothing that can get to me unless it passes through God's grace and his love and his care for me. Nothing. He is the door. He is our protector. And I love this Picture that is communicating to this religious leaders. Verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. He's referring to all of the false priests. All the false prophets. All the religious leaders that, that only care for themselves. And not for the Lord. He says they are thieves. He's speaking directly to them. And in verse 9 again. Jesus says I am the door. If anyone enters by me. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. If anyone enters by me, anyone, that invitation is for all people. It's for all people. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus, the religious leader? John three sixteen. many of us have it stored in our heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes. Jesus said, anyone Anyone who enters by me, by the door, will be saved. That he is the door. Jesus graciously in his love and his care, he is the way, he is the truth, he's the life. He said, no man comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because he is the door. He's the only way in. He's the only way into grace and forgiveness and peace and relationship with God. The gift of his spirit to comfort us, strengthen us, empower us, and guide us. He is this door. And what does he say? He will be saved. This is a word that in church world is said a whole lot. When it, in reference to somebody beginning that relationship with Jesus, we'll often say this When were you saved? Or how are you saved? Or we share somebody else's testimony. It's like, well, well, they were saved. When were you saved? Or we pray for people to be saved. And it's like, where did that word come from? It came from Jesus. Anyone who enters through the door through him will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of our sin. Saved from judgment. Saved from condemnation. We experience his grace and his love and his care. That anyone who enters by me will be saved. That going in and out of pasture speaks of God's blessing. His protection. There's never a need to fear. 
Never a need to fear. Verse 10, the thief, he says, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is, is, is drawing a very clear distinction between the thief and the enemy and the robbers and the false self-righteous leaders and himself. Only one purpose, steal, kill, destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This, earlier this week, I got to meet up with a new friend. His name is Trey. And Trey is actually the discipleship pastor at Longview Point in Hernando, a fantastic church. And uh, God is calling him to plant a church in the Cockrum area. And so just so excited that God is uh, calling him and, and just praying with him and, and excited about that new work. And as we were talking, he was sharing his testimony with me. And as he's sharing his testimony with me, uh, he was sharing how there was a season in his life, a time in his life where it would be marked by hopelessness, discouragement, emptiness, condemnation. He found himself in jail as a young adult. And as he was released from jail with that same emptiness and struggle and hope, he assumed that he would just end up right back spending the rest of his life in jail. But when he was out, there was a friend who had been praying for him. And while he was out, that friend went to him and shared the good news of Christ and shared how Christ is the door, how Christ is the way, the truth, the life. He shared the gospel with him and what the enemy designed and meant for him was to steal from him, to kill him and to destroy him. But God, right? But God. But God, in his glorious gospel, rescued him and gave him life and life to the full. It is possible that there is someone here today or someone listening in right now that can resonate with that helplessness and hopelessness and judgment and fear and condemnation. And the good news is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the door and he invites anyone who enters through a relationship with him to life and life to the full. Verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. Who does not own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he is a hired hand. And cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Again, Christ drawing the, the drastic distinction. As the good shepherd, he cares more about the safety of the sheep than he does about his own safety. The hired hand, the religious leaders, the thieves, the robbers. These hired hands care more about their own safety than the safety of the sheep. They're all about uh, self-preservation, not sacrifice. They are all about as long as they're faster than the slowest sheep, they got nothing to worry about because they are out of there. And we see this in the life of the religious leaders in the Bible. They take advantage of the widow. They turn the temple into a den of thieves. That their heart has, has, is not for God. Their heart is turned for their selves and self-righteousness. These false shepherds take advantage of sheep and, and exploit the sheep. But look what the Bible says. The Bible says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For the sheep. This speaks loud and clear. 
of an event that is going to take place about six months from what we're reading right now. And it speaks of the event where Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, will lay his life down for his sheep. It speaks of his voluntary sacrificial death for his sheep. It speaks of the price that only he can pay because he's the good shepherd and only the shedding of his blood can cleanse the forget and forgive his his sheep. He cares for his sheep. Laying down his life for that word for means in place of it. It speaks of his substitutionary death. This is good for all of us to be reminded of today is that Christ substituted himself on the cross for where I should have been, where I deserve that I am a sinner saved by grace. But as a sinner, I deserve to be crucified for my sin. I've sinned against a holy God. I deserve that judgment. I deserve that condemnation. We all deserve that. If you've ever doubted the love of God and you're like, God, how could you? God, why would you? God, where are you? Look at the cross and you will see the good shepherd who lays down his life for you. Laying down his life, being crucified in our place. I love this simple definition, the gospel, I'm not sure where I heard it, but the gospel is this, Christ in my place. Christ took my place. Christ took our place on the cross. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. That word know, it's the same word used in Genesis 4 verse 1 where Adam knew Eve and they had a son named Cain. It speaks of love relationship, speaks of intimacy. Does that sound like our relationship with the Lord? That he knows us, we know him. I'm the good shepherd. And so we see he is the good shepherd, our leader. He is the door, our protector. And a last and third observation is Jesus is the one who lays down his life. He's our savior. Verse 15, just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. So let's go back to that picture. Can we show that picture one more time of the sheepfold? I shared that the context of this story is that the sheepfold represented those in Judaism the people of Israel, the Jews. And so this was who the formerly blind beggar, this was the fold that he was a part of, but Jesus is the door. He heard his voice. He responded in repentance and faith and Christ led him into a life-giving relationship with him. Up to this point, he has only talked about the sheepfold, but yet here Jesus says, there are other sheep. So who are those other sheep? It's us. It's us. We're the other sheep. We're, we're, there could potentially be a Jew who is with us physically in this room. But for the majority, we are Gentiles. In that time of the world, there were two types of people. You are a Jew or you are a Gentile. And if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And so if you're not a part of the Jewish fold, you're a part of the Gentile fold. 
And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, there's other sheep. This gospel is for the world. This good news is for everybody. This good news is for the one who is as far away from God as you can possibly imagine. And it is also for the one who is so morally upright, yet living apart from a relationship with God. His gospel is for everybody. It's for everybody. And so this one flock, who is it? It's the church. It's the church. Who's the shepherd? It's Christ. He's the head of the church. So in verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Remember who he's talking to? The religious leaders. Jesus says, I have the authority to lay down my life. They have tried countless times to get their hands on him, to lay their hands a hold of him, to cast stones at him. They have been completely unsuccessful. Why? Because only Christ can lay down his life. No one can take it from him. He willingly with his authority lays it down as the good shepherd. And because he is the good shepherd with authority, he only and he alone can raise it up. On the third day, Christ rose again from the dead. And this is the mission and ultimate will and plan of God. And it is all unfolding just as the good shepherd had intended. And when Jesus says to them that this charge I've received from my father once again before these religious leaders, he is communicating that he is God. Proving that he alone has the power alone to forgive our sin and to make us right with God. And in verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so not only do we see this divine authority and power in the healing of sight in the blind beggar, but this was undeniable proof that Jesus is God, that he's God. And he is the door and he's the only way and he's the good shepherd and he's the only one that can bring us to life, life in him. And so it is possible, kind of mentioned it different, different um, moments along the way, Psalm 23 and uh, I want to read Psalm 23 as we wrap up today. And if you got your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If you got it on your phone, I invite you to poke there. <laughs> yes. um, or just simply just listen to the passage. Psalm 23. King David, this time as king, he writes this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And who wrote, who wrote Psalm 23? King King David, 
Who is King David? The most powerful man in the land. This, this shepherd boy who grew up to be a shepherd king. And here is the most powerful ruler and the strongest shepherd. And he says this, I need a greater shepherd. I need a better king. I need a stronger shepherd. I love that for David, he was at the peak of, of rule and reign and power. And yet here he is saying, I need a better king. I need a better king. I need a shepherd. And the Lord is the good shepherd. And so today, it could be that as you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it could be that we are reminded that our good shepherd leads us. He goes before us. We have this opportunity anytime through the day to hijack God's design, God's plan, and we can see a better way. And so we try to do things in our way, in our own strength. And a lot of times we can relate to that sheep that got stuck, got pulled out, ran and got stuck again. <laughs> like we, we can we can relate to that. But here's the encouragement is this is we can know God will be faithful to lead us. As we yield our hearts and surrender our flesh to his leadership and to his word. And he will be faithful to lead us. He is the good, the good shepherd. His voice is the word. His voice is the word. And he has gifted us with his word to lead us and to guide us. God, help us to bring our plan and our way under his word and his way. It could be you feel like peace slips through your fingertips. Like a, a, a restlessness. It's like, man, it just like, it just doesn't seem like, but, but they would be encouraged. The good shepherd is our protector. He is the door. Anything gets through us he has to get through him first. And what I've noticed is that the sheep and the safety and the peace and the security of the sheep are in direct relation to their closeness to the shepherd. And it is possible and perhaps the testimony of many that says, you know what? I have a relationship with King Jesus. I love King Jesus. But I can look at times in my life where I, I kind of did my own thing and went my own way. And it led to a painful place. But yet as I drew near to God, what does God do? He draws near to us. It's what James's half-brother taught us in the book of James. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. That as we, as we, as we get close to Jesus, worshiping him and seeking him and praying to him and reading his word and, and just worshiping him, that God grants us that peace and that security that comes as we are close to him. And I love this. This is just... Romans 8, 34, I was reminded again, it's just it's the ministry of Jesus continues that he intercedes for us. Be encouraged if you are here as a believer and you are feeling the weight of the world. Be encouraged that Christ, the good shepherd, prays for you, intercedes for you. He has a plan. He has a way. He desires to lead us. His ways, his path is safe and secure. As we align our hearts and our lives to him. And it could be that you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. We're talking about sheepfolds. You're like, well, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not a, I'm not a Jew. I'm not of the Jewish sheepfold. But I'm also not of the one flock that Christ teaches about those who have placed their faith and trust in him. And would you hear the love of a God who has created you, pursuing you for a relationship. Anyone who walks through the door will be saved. So the invitation is there to begin that relationship with the good shepherd. So I'm going to pray for us. And as I do. I just encourage you to be responsive to however the Holy Spirit might be leading you. We'll have pastors here who would love to pray for you. If you need prayer, desire someone to pray for you, we'd love to be able to do that. But just being responsive and sensitive to God's leading. If you're here and you're like, I need a relationship with the Good Shepherd and I need to begin that relationship now, we would love to to pray with you. Open God's Word. And walk through his word with you about what that looks like. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And thank you so much for this passage. God, I love your your heart, your passion. God, I love your grace-filled, truth-filled confrontation with these religious leaders. Speaking in language and pictures, God, that connect with the heart. And that, Father, I love the testimony of this formerly blind beggar that was of the sheepfold of Judaism. But you walked right through the front door. The Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. You sought him. You pursued him. You revealed who you were to him, the Messiah. And he responded, Lord, I believe. And you led him out of the sheepfold into that life-giving relationship with you. Why? Because you're the only way. You're the only way. You're the door. You're the good shepherd. So God, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you as their good shepherd, that today would be the day of repentance and faith, belief in you. God, I pray for uh, us sheep who wonder at times. That God, in your grace, with your rod and your staff, used for our correction and also our safety, you and your grace pull us up out of those stuck and broken areas. And by your grace, you lead us in the ways that bring honor and glory to you. God, I pray we would be led, spirit, good shepherd, led followers. God, I pray for those who feel a lack of peace in their lives. That God, they would be reminded and encouraged, you are the door. You are the protector. And God, as our peace rests in you and our closeness to you. So God, I pray that you would minister, lead, God, convict, show, lead in this time. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.